this thing does not autosave. This thing will eat your answers and delete them. If you leave it open for more than 20 minutes, walk away from your computer and then come back the next day and want to keep writing that essay. Hey guys, it's Johnny from Strive to Learn, and today you are listening to Mindful Admissions. We're going to be talking about the UC application because although it may seem pretty straightforward, there are some really nitty gritty details that students often overlook and end up making massive mistakes. I mean, I am a total prime example. When I was filling out my UC application, I spent all of my time meticulously torturing myself about how I answered the personal insight questions. And then I ended up rushing through the remainder of the application. I made a huge mistake. So we're gonna talk to Josephine and William, who are two of our college admissions experts here at Strive to Learn that attended the UC College Counselors Conference. They're gonna share any changes made to the UC application, as well as strategies about how to navigate this process with some semblance of sanity. If you would like to work with us one-on-one, feel free to reach out at info at strivetolearn.com and leave us a review to let us know that we are loved. So let's get to it. You know, we just want to talk about how to best fill out your UC application. So I think sometimes students want to skip ahead and go to either activities or PIQs or, you know, academic history. But it is advised that you don't do that because some answers that you put in the about you section can change the questions that you see in those later sections. So I would like to put a caveat on that, though, William. Um, I do agree, you know, don't fill everything out to the T, you know, in your second portion of the application if you haven't filled out the first half. I do recommend that you take a glance at what's coming in the in the different sections of the app. So I would open them up and take a look at them. I would just be aware that some questions might change slightly um, or new questions might pop up, um, things like that. But it's like a big one that's, you know, part of the conditional portion is um, your your residency status, um, your whether you're eligible for a fee waiver, whether you're an undocumented international student or um, actually resident of the U.S. or citizen. So so those kind of different demographics change things because you do support students differently who, um, you know, fall into one of those categories or maybe who have served military, um, who might be a, um, of Native American descent, whatever it might be. Um, but something that's not going to change is your activities list and your personal insight questions. And those are the things that you do need to work on for quite a while. Um, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind, actually, <laughs> maybe isn't even um, what to put where. But, um, you know, the UC app times out after 20 minutes. So I just want everyone who's listening to this to, to keep that in mind, because I know students love just kind of having it open. You're, you're all used to Google Docs and autosave and everything. This thing does not autosave. This thing will eat your answers and delete them. If you leave it open for more than 20 minutes, walk away from your computer and then come back the next day and want to keep writing that essay. It's not going to be there anymore. So, um, you know, look ahead. And I really recommend um, looking ahead, even though you're not filling those sections out yet. So, William, I 100% agree. Fill it out in the order given, but definitely glance forward to see what is going to be expected of you on the activity section. What are the questions? 
questions. And I really recommend creating a Google Doc where you're just going to actually write out um, all the content about your activities that you're later going to copy and paste into the application so that you don't get in trouble with that 20-minute timeout. Um, same thing goes for the personal insight questions. Do not type them into the box. You know, go through this. These They say they are not essays, but <laughs> you still need to treat them like essays in the sense that you want to give a first draft a go, a second draft a go, third draft, you know, maybe have someone read it, grammar check it. You really want to put some work into those things. Um, and so do those outside of the application too. So look ahead at that section, but don't fill it out yet, I guess, is my caveat to um, William's recommendation. <laughs> um, it is something that should be considered more of, of, of a process, I think, as far as the, the activities list and, and the PIQs, the person site questions, not something that you would expect to just sit down and, and do in one sitting. You know, even, even if you have a three hour block, um, it's a lot of information you're sharing. It's, it's a wide range of information and it's the kind of thing you want to be able to, um, put down on the page, step away from, come back to, you know, you want to craft it. You want to make sure that there's care with, with how you are um, sharing this information. So I wholeheartedly agree. Treat it more as a, as a process with the activities and, uh, and the, the PRK. I actually had a question, you know, students are trying to, are supposed to fill out this application fully on their own. Is there any parts of the application that they need like parental support from? And that's the about you section. Um, definitely. So yes, the student is supposed to fill this thing out. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't get um, help from their counselor and help from their um, their their parents. They're not expected to just know everything off the top of their head, right? They have to put in parental information such as um, annual household income, things like that. So really make sure you get all of that right. Make sure you double and triple check with your parents that you have all the information in the about me section, you know, to the T, you're not skipping anything, you're not missing out on anything, you're not misrepresenting yourself in any way. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that um, the UC um, admissions officers were talking about in this section is really, really make sure that you don't misrepresent yourself, um, whether that's by accidentally filling something out wrong or purposefully putting on something that is actually not quite the truth. Um, they do check on some applications, not all of them. It's kind of a random selection where they will verify, hey, you put 11 activities. I'm going to actually verify that you were actually involved in these activities in the way that you said you were. Um, so that could happen to you. And if they find out that you put something on there that wasn't 100% truthful, that has severe repercussions. Um, so definitely have someone check your application. Ask your counselor at school questions. If you're working with an independent consultant, you know, ask them questions, have them look over your app. As long as you are the one filling it out and you're the one submitting it, you are allowed to get um, insights and um, recommendations and double checking from outside people. So when I was transferring, I had uh, enrolled in a college, but never attended any of the classes. And so I had, um, I think, like a few W's that I didn't report because I was like, I never even went to a class. I technically enrolled in the class, but I just never showed up. So they like, skipped my mind. And I got in contact with the applications like, um, you know, we're showing an academic record from this college. It's not reported in on your in your application. I was like, Ooh, you know, I freaked out. And so I yeah. called like, scary. <laughs> I know I was so scared. I'm like, and then like, why did you do this? And so it was like a whole process 
of being like, wow. well, you see, this is the reason why. And so I had to like prove from the school that I didn't, I should never ended up like going to a single day of college. And so, yeah, but it's a process. So make sure that you are very accurate in reporting like all the classes you've taken, high school, college, whatnot. Yeah, and that actually brings me to, sorry, William, to a part where um, you really have to watch out with the class reporting. Um, if you're taking, um, if you've taken Spanish, um, in eighth grade, maybe Spanish one, maybe you took algebra one or math one also in eighth grade. And then as a freshman in high school, you went into Spanish two, math two, algebra two, right? Um, then you need to make sure to report your seventh and eighth grade classes. Otherwise, it's going to look like you didn't actually take those classes, which means that you will not be able to fulfill all your A through G requirements. So just keep an eye out for that. That's not going to be under the high school section. That's going to be in a shorter kind of uh, easy to miss and easy to skip section for seventh and eighth grade courses. But also, if you did not take any introductory math or language courses um, like Spanish one or math one or algebra one in seventh or eighth grade, then don't feel bad. That's normal. Most people don't. Um, and you just fill that section out as in, no, I have nothing to report. So don't worry about filling that section out if you have nothing there. Totally normal. But if you did take those classes, don't, don't skip that section because otherwise you're going to be like, wait, they say I only have three years of math, but I know I did four, right? So if you see something like that, if you see a little error message or just like, a, hey, are you sure you input this right? Definitely double and triple check that. And that's where I'm saying, you know, really use your transcript very specifically because the way that you have to self-report all of your courses and grades, it's really, it really gets into the nitty gritty. It's the very annoying part of this app, but it also allows you to not have to send a transcript. Um, so you actually don't need to send a mid-year report. You only need to send a transcript if you end up enrolling at the UC and then you need to make sure it gets sent by July 1st. I think that's really interesting how just about everything is self reported, um, you know, including exam scores, which is a different beast when it comes to talking about the ACT and SAT that we'll probably get to. But, you know, just in general, you, you know, as you mentioned, Josephine, you self-report your courses and grades. You don't send a transcript until the very end of the process. And ultimately, that's just if you get an offer of admission and you, you know, accept it, uh, which, you know, because that happens before the end of your senior year. So they're, they're not going to get your transcript until after all that. They trust you up until that point that you're being honest about your grades. They trust you with your activities. They trust you with any test scores, you know, all other information that you report, which is different than, than a lot of other colleges where, you know, a, a council counselor is an important part of the process because the council, the school counselor sends the transcript to the school, sends, you know, some other documents, sends letters yeah. recommendation. Red yeah, see, exactly. Letters yeah, of rec, right? No letters like of even rec. teachers. Because mm -hmm. yeah. that's a that's a good way for other schools to verify, like, is the student truthful in their application if their letter of rec doesn't mention anything about them also being a student athlete or something like that, even though everything else says they're an excellent water polo player. It's like, wait a second, right? But on the UC app, there's no discrepancy because you're the only only one telling the school that you sees anything about you. It's very interesting. Yeah, but the other but side they definitely of that check. Is, that's right. <laughs> well, but that's the other side of it is the reason they can do that in a sense is the reason they can do that in one way is because they do verify in the end. Um, so it, you can't lie, you know, about it because they are going to ultimately get a transcript. You know, if you lie about a. a having taken a certain course or the grade you got in it and or especially if you do that for multiple courses and then you get an offer to you know somewhere ultra competitive like ucla or, or uc berkeley let's say or honestly any of the other campuses too they're all they're all very selective um 
you know, they're going to see that eventually because they're going to get a transcript from your school. And so it's like in a certain way, they're very trusting, but also there is there is kind of a, um, a safety net for it. And, you know, the aspect of it that I have to be honest that I did not know until listening to this session is something that Josephine already mentioned is that they can do random verification of activities, you know, so it's almost I'm, kind of like I didn't know yeah. that either. Yeah, uh, those I of us who have applied for jobs before, you know, you your references get checked, you know, so you can't lie about that kind of thing. It's kind of like that. It's like mm -hmm. you better be honest because there is a they, there's a you know decent chance they won't. But random means it could be anyone. So you know, if, if you lie about an activity and and you end up being the one who got pulled, it's like being audited for your taxes. You know, another thing for <laughs> for us adults. You never know if, if you're going to end up being, you know, you have to be honest because one, you're, you're signing legal agreements that you're telling the truth essentially. Yeah. And two, because they can verify that. And so put those two things together and, you know, you can, you can be in a heap of trouble if, if you are lying by anything. So, so yeah, not to, not to overlay with that point, but I just find that to be really interesting. It's definitely worth, um, you know, getting, getting that point across to students, just, uh, it is important to be very honest. So I actually have a question about the activity section. What kind of information should students include, like in that additional like description of like what the activity is? I think it's important, um, in the activity section to not just describe the activity as anyone would describe the activity if they were also involved in it, just in their own world, in their own state, in their own school, um, in their own lives. Instead, really describe what you did in the activity. Of course, if it's something that they may not have heard of, um, like, for example, um, don't assume that everyone knows what you think government is, right? That's a California-specific program um, called YNG or Youth in Government. Um, so you do have to explain what that is. There is a space for that. But then when it comes to what did you do, really talk about what you did. Don't just describe, oh, you know, thousands of students came together for a conference um, in Fresno and then in Sacramento, and I went. Instead, tell me, I organized and ran for um, the office of X, Y, and Z. Um, I got 500 votes voting me into office for that year, um, right? You want to be very specific about what you did and what recognition you received for it. Is it sort of like a resume where you you list like your yeah. achievements that you made? Like yeah, like it totally <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Shani, that's perfect. That's exactly what you do. You want to lead with an action verb, um, basically treat it like a bullet point list, even though you're not going to write it in bullet point format, um, you don't need it to be full sentences. You can say, um, led group of 20 to win um, semifinals, period. Uh, organized fundraiser um, to gain $1,000 towards our trip, period. So you see how I started each one of those with an active verb, led, organized, and I find out something very specific that the student did and what it um, led to for them uh, and for their community. So that's really what we want to know, kind of what were your responsibilities and what was your impact? And if you received any formal recognition, also, what was that? And I want to add another caveat to that activities list. Um, you know, I just gave an example of something that's really structured, that's really kind of school. Um, um, what do you call it? Um, yeah, just kind of like checked off as like a school thing too, right? It's one of your extracurriculars. But you can put whatever you want in the activities list. Um, 
you can put additional classes that you took that don't fit the A through G requirements. Maybe you did a Duolingo um, uh, Hebrew class during COVID, right? Put that in there. Put in there that you did a Duolingo Hebrew class. That's awesome. Maybe you love drawing, even though you've never entered any contests and haven't done anything specific or haven't taken AP art or anything like that, but you draw every day. Put that in there. Talk about what you draw, why you do it, what techniques you use, what you love about it. They want to know. These are facets that they can't see about you anywhere else. If you have family obligations and you take care of your siblings every day, every week or whatever, maybe once a month, pop that on there. Maybe you're helping your elderly grandparent um, a couple times a week. Those things should go on there. So really ask yourself, hey, in any given week, what do I actually spend my time doing? For me personally, for example, like I cook a lot, not necessarily because I need to cook to eat. Like I could make my meals simpler, but I take a little more time because I love trying out new recipes. So if I were applying to UC, I would probably put on there that I spend about, you know, six to 10 hours cooking per week because I love trying out new recipes. And then I might give them a couple examples of which ones I liked and why I like it. That's totally, you can, you can pop that on there. Is there anything else we should share about the activities section? Or? Yeah. So I think, um, one thing that's different about the activities section, well, there's, there's a couple of things. One is the number of spaces you're allowed, which is 20, um, which is twice as many as you're allowed on the common app. Um, so there, it's more of an opportunity. Uh, the, the UC presenters made sure to stress that the number of activities you have on your application is, is not a, a factor. It's not something to be stressed about if you're not filling out all the spaces. Um, if you have five activities and, and, that you know satisfactorily <laughs> describes how you you spend your time outside of school uh, or outside of the class. Then that's that's great. Don't don't stress about not having enough. But um, but the other thing that's different that's worth mentioning is the structure of the section is different in the sense that there are what five or six different types of activity categories, and you have to choose the activity category um, before you do anything else. And the category that you choose changes what the boxes to fill in are, you know, for that particular activity. So like there's um, extracurricular activities, there's volunteering, there's other coursework and, you know, and a, a few other ones too. And so I would just say, pay attention to the specific questions being asked and don't assume that all of the questions or prompts for each activity type are the same because they do differ depending on, you know, what they ask you to share. It differs depending on the category. Uh, and usually there's a space to add to, share a little bit about like if it's an organizational thing they'll give you room to share about the organization if it's work experience they'll give you a box to share about the the employer and then there's also a box to share about your involvement in that so you can provide both the context of it and you know your specific involvement in it. I also love that um, your daughter is definitely having a party in the background just wanted to clarify <laughs> can you tell that for her, everyone yeah can you tell her her birthday was two days ago oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> like, are you like, putting on the side like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh I was like what is happening because usually Lucy's like you know part of our podcast but pretty chill about it but today she's having a party <laughs> she's got a robot dog happy birthday five years old right yeah, yeah yeah oh a robot dog oh my god yeah. that's like the greatest thing ever this for is 2022 her. Is or it for the carpet that's the you know is it pee on the carpet no like, that's just my real dog <laughs> that's, that yeah no that's the one advantage but she wants a real dog though that's that's something that she's at that point now where she wants that more than anything well if you'd ever like to dog sit you know we really need someone over the holidays so <laughs> 
Uh, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Oh, you can put it on your UC app, William. Dog sitting yeah, for yeah. Josephine. <laughs> uh, I have a question. So what are the most common mistakes that students typically make on the app? Just yeah. Do they, I mean, I'm assuming that probably they don't fill or they miss, miss something or they kind of look over a small detail as one of them, like their academic history. They'll probably miss something there. What are, what are the common mistakes? Yeah, that I mean, that's a bad one. Um, it's a really big one if you make a mistake on your academic history. So definitely have your transcript handy. Really go bit by bit and then have someone check it. Um, do it for your friend. You do it for them. They do it for you. Um, the other one I would say is kind of what I was mentioning about the activities list. Um, really don't, don't miss out on opportunities to share about yourself. I have so many students who are like, okay, I have my activities list. It's done. And they show me and I'm like, well, these five things on here are great, but I know like another six things about you that I can't see anywhere on this application. And they're like, oh, wait, I'm allowed to put babysitting? Oh, I can I can put that I play the clarinet, even though I'm not in band or anything? I'm like, yes, please. Like, they want to know this stuff. So definitely, I feel like that's where I see the most because students focus a lot on writing their personal insight question responses. Um, although, of course, there's the pitfall. If a student doesn't know to really treat it like several drafts, you know, you're trying to really perfect it. Um, if they just type straight into it, that's a huge pitfall if they don't take that seriously. But most students do and have heard that, you know, these four uh, responses are quite important and they put a lot of effort and energy into it. But they kind of forget that the activities list should be approached the same way. Uh, rough drafting it, you know, running it by a second reader um, and really making sure everything makes it on there because that's a lot of waste of real estate, as we like to say, if you miss out on that. Yeah, I think that other coursework is a, is an underused one a lot, a lot of times because under, other coursework is, you know, what does that mean? It's anything that's not A through G requirements. And um, that's quite a bit for some schools and some students. Um, I mean, A through G requirements are English, math, science, um, social sciences, foreign language, you know, or language other than English, they call it. Um, arts and then, you know, one year of electives. So if you have more, um, you know, if you have a, a additional coursework beyond any of those requirements, that can be a good place to, to put that. Um, something like health or P may not seem that exciting to share, but like students might have taken uh, like a film course or um, economics or ROP coursework uh, at their school, career training coursework. Um, you know, I, there's a, um, a a private school that we work closely with, the Waldorf School, and they take quite a few classes that are very cool, you know, very cool subjects to, to be learning and like very interesting and academic information, but they're not, they don't have official A through G status. And so, you know, I definitely encourage students to report the, the courses that they they found to be, um, you know, the most informative and interesting that are that are not A3G courses on their UC application. Um, there's a little bit of space to talk about, you know, what did you learn in the course? What um, what was valuable about it? What was meaningful for you? Yeah, I have another pitfall. Um, this one would be specific to undocumented students. Um, there's a really specific thing that you need to know about to how to fill out the about me section. Um, you can choose your nationality there um, of and of which country you are a citizen, basically. Right. So you can say USA, you can say other um, countries. As soon as you put a country that is not the United States, you would then be categorized as an international student. That's a student who did not attend high school in the U.S. Um, and who needs an 
international student visa to be able to attend the institution and also will be paying international student prices, which are very, very different from in-state prices when it comes to UCs. So what should you do if you are undocumented? Um, you just put no selection. You don't put that you are a U.S. citizen. You also don't put that you are a citizen of a different country. You just leave it blank. Once you do that, the UC app will know that you are an undocumented student who probably qualifies for DACA. So keep that in mind. I think that's really, really important. And then also when you're filling out the um, portion about the household income, be very precise with that because based on that, you will automatically be given four fee waivers. So four free applications where you don't have to pay the $70 application fee or for international students, it's $80 um, per campus, right? So if you want to apply to several UCs, that can add up real, real quick. Um, so definitely make sure to um, take a look at that um, section because the fee waiver thing, it's one of those conditional items. It will automatically appear on your application um, as a, hey, here you, you qualified for this. Do you want to take advantage of it? And then you have to select, yes, I do. I will use them. And then you get four free apps. So that's a great one too that I don't want anyone to miss out on. Now the UC application also accept, accepts any other fee waivers like NACAC fee waivers, things like that. Um, so highly recommend speaking with your school counselor if you do feel like it is a financial burden for you to apply to the UCs that you'd like to apply to and see what other options there are just in case you didn't qualify for the automatic fee waivers through the system. And if you do not receive an email confirming saying like, hey, you submitted your application, you have not technically submitted your application. So you have to like confirm Correct. and then confirm again. And you can see on the like last screen, there'll be like little circles with check marks. When it's mm -hmm. completed accurately, that'll that little box will turn or circle. I guess, mm -hmm. turn green. And if it's not green, mm -hmm. then that means something's missing from there. So you want to click on that section and figure out what it is. Yeah. And and I would I would open that up to, that. this applies to any university. If you don't get an email saying thank you for applying, you probably didn't apply. So, you know, it's not just the UC app, it's also the Common App or any other university specific application. Always, always make sure you get a confirmation email because they should be sending you something about how to log into a portal specific to that university to check your admission status, which is super important that you then continue following up with that because that portal will be different from the portal where you submitted your application. So it's really important to keep in mind. And if you don't get the email and you're pretty sure you submitted the application, what what do you do next? And this is something that I you know, I've had students ask recently, Call Batman. Uh, contact, the, contact the school, <laughs> contact the admissions office at that school. Um, tell them I submitted my application. I'm, you know, almost positive I did, um, but I did not receive my, uh, you know, temporary pin or, or my login information for the, um, the application status portal. Uh, is there a way you can check and verify if my application was received or would you be able to resend the email with the, with the temporary pin number and uh, the uh, registration information? Does um, so does the UC send um, each one, like each campus will send the same thing or is it for, is it like still a centralized application portal? Um, so I think, I think I don't remember actually. That's, I think that is my answer to your question. Um, I'm thinking back right now. Man, I, I feel like there was, there was, there was. I, yeah, yeah, I believe you get one email initially just from the application mm -hmm. interface. 
that's like a confirmation. But then the, after that point, it's sort of in the hands of the additional or the individual campuses. So like, yeah. and that's actually a good thing to bring up in regards to like, if you have to change any information after you submit it, you can't for the most part. Um, there, you can change your, um, your personal information, you know, the about you and you can change, um, one other thing. What was it? You can update oh, your course selection, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But you can't change your academic history. You can't change your activities or PIQs or any of that just by logging into your application again. Um, if you do need to make any important updates to any of that stuff, you'd have to contact the campuses individually and do it yeah. one by one with each campus. Yeah. And each campus is going to tell you at a different time. They're not going to release their decisions on the same day. Um, and so that's what you can then see on their separate application portals. Uh, do students, because I think students declare that they can declare a major when they're applying for the UCs, um, should they? Do you want the, I mean, is it campus specific? Um, yes, that's my question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is campus specific. You, you choose a different major or program for each campus, uh, when you're applying. Uh, there, you know, th this particular session didn't cover it, but in previous years, we've heard you know, multiple times from UC counselors and individual campuses that there there's not a penalty for applying un undeclared. They are generally pretty supportive of the idea that a student wants to explore different interests before committing to a major. Um, there are some exceptions of uh, specific majors that you have to be direct admitted into at certain campuses, but the majority of programs at the majority of campuses are not like that. So you can uh, apply undeclared, work on prerequisites, figure out what you know, what, what subject you want to maybe focus on for your junior and senior year and, um, and then make that change, you know, and, and declare your major officially by that point. Yeah. Know. There is another pitfall though, on the major section, actually, uh, Shawnee, you reminded me of it. Um, a lot of students select their primary major that they're interested in and they don't select an alternate major, even though most UCs, um, give you the opportunity to select an alternate major. So really, you know, here's another pitfall in that section. Looking only at that list that pops up. Instead, I highly recommend you go on the actual UCs. So if, if it's UC Merced, you go on UC Merced's actual website. There you click on academics and look at all their majors and read about each one so that you make sure that the one you're selecting is the one you're actually interested in. That's really important because something might sound like one thing, but really be another. And sometimes you also have the same name made in two different departments. So understanding what that actually means to study, you know, um, what's an example? Um, you know, physics could happen. You know, there might be something physics related in the engineering school and there might be something physics related in the arts and sciences school. So taking a look at what does each one of those mean so that you can choose which one's your first choice which versus which one would you um, contemplate as, a, as, as an alternative major. If you don't get in for your first choice, they were, will then take a look at your application for your second choice. If you don't get in for your second choice, they will then consider you as undeclared, I believe. So definitely make sure that you are, you are picking an alternate major. Unless, of course, you're like, no my way or the highway. Like this is, this is, I'm only doing this. That's okay. If you are that sure, that's fine. But just know that, you know, people change their minds and if it could help you get in, you know, you might want to just pick an alternate major that is a little bit less um, competitive than your main major, depending on whether the campus that you're applying to um, admits my major. I think, I think Berkeley's just said that they, the, one of the changes they made is that they're now allowing students to have a second, like an alternative major. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes there's even a Bachelor of Science or a Bachelor of Arts in the same major. Right. And yeah, and it's and you can look up. This is what I would recommend to students if you're not sure of the difference. Go on the website, look up the um, course roadmap, or you know, it would be something along those lines, like a course roadmap, um, uh, undergraduate yeah. plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you can actually, yeah, curriculum, and you can see which courses you are required, and then also which courses are optional that you can choose from a list, like pick four of these twenty, that kind of thing, and you'll see the difference. I mean, the in short, you know, Bachelor of Science usually involves more math and science coursework. Bachelor of Arts is more liberal arts, you know, some more kind of wide ranging subjects in the humanities and and social sciences and arts. Uh, but yeah. Like that kind of thing. Definitely educate yourself on that before um, you're at the point where you have to choose it on your application. Um, something that does that comes up a lot, I guess, when I'm helping students with with the application and the the um, ethnicity and ancestry and mm. gender and sexual orientation information. How is that right. used? So it, it's used for them to have data um, to get an idea of who's applying. It's not actually visible to the application readers. Um, so not only do they not consider it, it's not actually visible for them. They, they don't have access to it. So that, it, you know, hopefully that would be reassuring. Um, to students, if, if you're at all concerned about sharing that information, I do always tell students it's optional. You know, anything that doesn't have a red star next to it, any question that doesn't is optional. So you don't need to share that information if you don't feel comfortable. But, you know, it, it could, it could be useful for, um, the statistical analysis that, that the system is doing. It could be helpful for future students in some ways. We don't know exactly how they use them, but, you know, you can rest assured that the, that information is not being used when it comes to making any kinds of admissions decisions. Yeah, I know that's definitely something a lot of my students have been worried about in the past. So, um, yeah, just demographic research, but your reader doesn't see it. Um, and then, you know, in, in shortly after that section, one more thing that uh, you know, may be relevant to some students and I think it's a good point to make is there, there's a section that asks about uh, a few background details. The heading is, please tell us more about yourself. Um, it's also optional, but it asks for things like if you've ever been in a foster home or, um, you know, if you've had foster youth status or uh, veteran status. It, you don't need to check if you have, but if you do, the value of doing that is um, the, the system can the UC system can provide you resources and uh, programs that can be helpful to to students that are of that status. Yeah. So. And there are scholarships based on that stuff. So highly, so that's one of the things that every applicant should always remember that the UC application, it's not just your application for admission. It's also your scholarship application. Any information you put on there would allow then the UC to match you with resources that they have specifically for someone of your background, whether that means first generation immigrant, first generation college, someone who was in the foster system, someone who served in the military, whatever it might be. You may have access to really great support services as well as financial um, aid based on that. So definitely highly recommend those optional things just fill them out because there's really nothing to be lost in it. Um, there's only things to be gained that you might not be aware of since you're not on the inside. So just a, I guess just a couple things to wrap up. Uh, if you have taken the SAT or ACT and you're applying to other colleges and, and using your test scores, don't waste your time searching around on the application for where to share those scores because they removed the ability to do that. <laughs> so this is the first year where you, you, it's just not even on there. You can't share your SAT or ACT score. You can still share old SAT subject tests if you took those before they were um, 
before they were, you know, done away with. Um, you can share AP and IB exams. You can share English language proficiency. And that's actually the one exception is if you took the SAT or ACT and you're going to use it for English language proficiency, you can share that subscore, just the English language subscore for your, your proficiency. Um, also, the uh, I want to mention that if you are going to apply for a fee waiver, if you believe you would qualify, you can only use it for four campuses. So there is a maximum of, of four free applications that you can do. So you would have to pay for the fifth uh, and beyond. So just, just to be aware of that. Um, and also, I, one thing that was mentioned at the end, it might be kind of an obvious point for anyone who knows. <laughs> My daughter just came into the frame uh, on, <laughs> on our recording here. Um, anyone who is aware of the, the concept of demonstrated interest, um, the UCs do not use it. So it, it's not something th this point was made in regards to workshops. They do a lot of really good ap application workshops that are like offered by campuses specifically. Those are great to do. Just don't be under the impression that doing it increases your odds of getting accepted because they don't use demonstrated interest as part of the process. Yeah, I, it's good that you bring those up, though, because, you know, if you only have very limited time with your high school counselor um, and that's really the only person you can ask these questions and then you're listening to this podcast now and thinking, oh, man, I just talked about a bunch of things and I still have more questions. And maybe maybe we even created more questions <laughs> rather than answers by pointing some things out you hadn't thought of yet. Um, you know, really go on the website for each UC and go on their prospective students tab and see what kind of um, online workshops they have because they are probably more than happy to help you fill that out um, and help you figure out how to best apply because they love getting applicants, right? Um, so definitely take a look at the free resources that they have. Follow them on Instagram. Um, using social media to interact with these schools, I think is a great idea because that could be a great way to find out more about things like virtual visits, virtual workshops and stuff like that. They even have like some, I think US, UCSB has like a whole like playlist on YouTube for each section where they have someone walking you through. So it doesn't always have to be live. I mean, live is probably the best way to get your questions answered directly, you know, but if you're a little too shy or wanting to just peek it out on YouTube, I think that's in there as well. So there's a lot of different ways you can get help that you need so yeah we'll uh we don't need an official conclusion right we'll just wrap because uh it's fine. i guess this is us officially concluding <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i would just say you know do your best to fill it out make sure you are pre-writing anything that wants more than three words basically um and then copying and pasting it in checking your grammar all that fun stuff and if you can have someone look over your information um just to make sure you didn't miss something big but good luck. You have until November 30th to submit. Um, don't do it at 11.59 on November 30. Please don't. The UC app might crash. You will be wondering why everything is moving so slowly. It'll feel like it's dial-up modem time again for those of you out there who still know what that is. Um, so so try to submit a few days before it's actually due. Uh, this year, they did open it up so that the submission period is actually two months instead of just one month from October 1st all the way till November 30th. So um, my big recommendation, get it in before Thanksgiving and enjoy your break. Oh, I, I, I can't miss an opportunity 
opportunity to plug ourselves. If you need help with your UC application, we've got amazing college counselors who are able and willing and experienced to help. Like me and William and mm-hmm. Amanda. <laughs> not so, me, yeah. not me. <laughs> um, yeah, so let us know if you need anything. We're more than happy to check your app, um, give you some advice on your activities section and your personal insight questions. Thank you so All much, right. guys. Bye, Lucy. <laughs> and bye, William. All right, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strivetolearn.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes, and don't forget to subscribe. We'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments, or DM us on Instagram at strivetolearntutoring. Get the latest updates on the college admissions world and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, www.strivetolearn.com. Thanks for sticking around, and I'll see you next time.